You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, episode 74. How to be the mom you are instead of the mom you think you should be. And this is an encore episode, which means that I went back into the archives and pulled one that was published over a year ago that is one of my very favorites and one that I think is the most impactful for the audience. So whether this is your first time hearing it or this is a repeat for you, I think it is so valuable to re-listen to this episode and gain some nuggets of wisdom. This particular episode is one that I suggest that people listen to before they attend my workshop, which is called Declutter Your Motherhood. In my workshops, I teach you how to declutter your expectations for yourself as a mom, get rid of the worn out shoulds and cultural expectations that don't fit you, and really hone in on who you are as a mom. And then help your schedule to reflect that. So we declutter your mindset, we declutter your schedule, and help you to add in so much more joy. I have an in-person workshop coming up in Utah on April 13th, and it's sold out in five days. But I have added a few more tickets to that workshop. There are five left, so if you want one, hurry, grab some friends, and hop on and buy the tickets. I really think that this will be a transformative day for you, as well as there is a month of post-workshop mentoring that comes along with the price of your ticket. This is an event that's worth investing in and maybe even traveling for. I'm always amazed when people fly in for it, but a few are. And so come, come be with us. And if you can't be with us at a live workshop, this episode will give you a really great start on honing in on who you are as a mom. So this is episode 74, an encore from last February, how to be the mom you are instead of the mom you think you should be. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. February is the month of love, and we often think of romantic love during this time of year. But on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about loving yourself and your life a little bit better. This is important because we live in a day where a lot of women spend a lot of time comparing themselves to other people. And maybe that's always been the case, but with social media, it seems easier than ever to think that you aren't measuring up and to feel discouraged or less than much of the time. Today's guest is going to teach us how we can embrace who we are instead of always pining after who we think we should be. Julie Bastido is one of my dear friends and personal mentors, She and I taught high school English together when my husband was in dental school in Buffalo, New York, and she is truly a master teacher who's crazy smart and loves literature, but more importantly, she loves the teenager she works with every day. She's in her 18th year of teaching high school English, and I often tell her that she has mothered thousands of teenagers. She's also the mother of two awesome children of her own, Ada, who's 12, and Charlie, who's 6. And she and I have had countless heart-to-heart conversations about parenting over the years. She's so wise, and I'm thrilled to introduce her to you today. So, Julie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rachel. 
It's so fun to have you on. When you were when I was a brand new teacher, you mentored me. And then when I was a brand new mother, you mentored me. And you continue to mentor me <laughs> through the ups and downs of daily life. So it's really great to talk to you today. And um, this podcast episode was inspired because a few weeks ago, Julie sent me an email um, explaining some of her thoughts about how we as mothers can love ourselves and our own lives better and how she had slipped into a moment of discouragement and then she kind of fought her way back out of it. And it was so interesting to me to hear her thought process for what she does to fight the comparison trap. So Julie, can you just start off by telling the listeners a little bit about what led you to write me that email? Yeah, absolutely. So I was listening to the podcast that you had shared through Power of Moms about Gogo and someone that you had met. Am I pronouncing her name correctly? Yes. Mm -hmm. That you had met on your trip to South Africa. And I'm listening to that and I'm listening to the woman who uh, sort of inspired you to go on that trip. Mm-hmm. And as I'm listening to it, I'm doing what I'm always doing. I'm cooking dinner. And I said to myself, oh, I wonder if I'm going to do anything really remarkable for the world. Mm-hmm. And on most days, I probably would have just kept making dinner and done those things. But because of some of the things you and I have talked about and the things that I've heard just on your podcasts, I had to stop for a moment. And realized that what I was doing, yet again, was slipping into that self-deprecating, what people like to call hashtag mom fail mode. Mm -hmm. This notion of um, these are all the things I cannot do in my life. These are all the things I will not do in my life. And therefore, I am not as worthy as person X, Y, and Z. And so... I thought to myself, before I do anything else, I just sat down and I made this little list, which I ended up emailing to you, but I had actually scratched it down on a little post-it note. And I made a list of all of these things that I said to you, I will never do, I cannot do, or do not enjoy doing, or sort of a mix of, of the three. Okay. Do you want to read us the list? Sure. So the first one I wrote down was leave on a mission for South Africa. Right. (laughs) And, you know, if I'm being true with myself, with all of the things that I'm doing and my children and the way our schedules work here, it will probably never happen. Right. And and that's okay. And we're going to talk about that more. Absolutely. The second one um, was speaking of what people would think is hashtag mom fail, organize play play dates. I'm not a huge get on the floor with my kid player. Yeah, I'm not I either. Never, I have never been that person. I'm the person when we're lying on the beach and my kids are in the sand and they're digging and building castles. My husband will get into <laughs> the sand with them and build castles. And I'm in my sunglasses and my sun hat and I'm reading a book. Yeah. And the thought of bringing six kids into my house and trying to organize some sort of play adventure. I will take my kids to play dates. I will (laughs) stay and share a cup of coffee with mom on play dates, but I'm not the play date organizer. It just isn't who I am. Uh, What else did I put here? Uh, Take my kids skiing. Everybody here in Buffalo skis. 
And they consistently ask, how come you don't take your kids skiing? Well, I have no basic coordination skills, truly. <laughs> uh, anything with equipment is, is very dangerous. And it, I just don't enjoy being outside in the cold. Mm-hmm. I'm not a camper. My husband's an Eagle Scout, and I don't like it. We camp out with friends every summer in our backyard. As soon as everyone falls asleep, I go inside. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way to do a camping trip. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not very good at technology, so the notion of running a website or a podcast, definitely a tricky one. <laughs> and then the last thing that I had mentioned is do anything excessively. I cannot be an excessive exerciser. I run a little bit. I do yoga, but I can't join gyms and this hit CrossFit, crazy power, this, that, or the other thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm just a pretty, pretty moderate person and whatever shape my body takes as a result, it's going to take. So as long as I'm healthy. So those were the list of things that I sort of jotted down as things that I would consider myself, um, having failed in Mm -hmm. at those moments. Okay. And then, but did that list make you feel bad about yourself or how did you then turn that around and because because I didn't get the sense when I read that list that you were cutting yourself down. I got the sense that you were accepting yourself. Exactly. So I sort of looked at it and I realized, well, of course, those are things that I cannot do or never do or do not enjoy doing because they have nothing to do with who I am. Mm-hmm. And so it was at that moment when I realized when you and I had talked about, you know, having me come on to the podcast podcast and what would we talk about? And I realized this, this very thing, this very notion of we are constantly reading on social media or reading in parenting books or following on television, all of these things as mothers that we are supposed to be. And very infrequently, do we recognize who we actually are? Right. So how do you do that? What's your first takeaway for how to be the mom you are instead of the one that you think you should be? So the first takeaway that I had is to reverse what I did on that little scrap of paper. And that is to make a list of things that you do well. How do you contribute to your family and especially your children in a way that is really good? And it might be something that not everybody does. Mm -hmm. And so I did just that. You know, now whether or not someone wants to write it in the planner, write it in your journal, put it on a post-it note and stick it in your closet so that you see it as a, a reminder on occasion. And so I started thinking about those things for me. And this was the list that I came up with. I shortened it, you know, a little bit for time here. Um, but the first thing I realized I do really well is that I'm a very patient person. Yes, you young. are. You really are. And uh, I do not ever raise my voice with my students, ever. I, but I also don't raise my voice with my children. Which is amazing. I just don't yell. And it takes a lot of work. So it's not like there's anything super special about that, that someone can achieve, but it is something that I do really well. I have learned in my 40 years of existence how to find that peace, 
that humility, that perspective to ask every moment when I want to sort of fly off the handle, reverse roles really quickly and remain that calm. As a result, my children are calm. Yes. And I love that, Julie, that you recognize and acknowledge this mothering trait that you have that is so important because honestly, what's going to have a bigger impact on your children? Camping or having a mother that doesn't yell at them? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely, So noticing these um, traits about yourself that maybe aren't showy, that you can't post a picture of you being patient through a meltdown, but that are making a profound difference in your kid's life. And I totally admire that about you because I do on occasion yell at my kids. And um, so I need to learn from you. We need to have another discussion about (laughs) how you do that. (laughs) Absolutely. So what else are you good at? So I also said that I'm very well read and I have to respect and appreciate where I'm well read. I have tried over the years. So I've been a mom for over 12 years and I have tried to read parenting magazines and parenting blogs and parenting websites and parenting books, you name it. But I have found, and sometimes I would get really hard on myself as a result, I found that they didn't help me as much because not all of it applied to me as much. A lot of those things that you see in those magazines or in those books or on those Instagram feeds or on social media have something to do with moms whose primary role is caregiver. Mm -hmm. That's not me. Yeah. I took a year off with each of my children, and then uh, due to my daughter's medical needs, I went back to work. But I also went back to work because I really love it. Yes, and you're really, re- you're really good at it. <laughs> Thank you. And so as a result, I started realizing that while maybe my parenting skills didn't come from a particular doctor or a particular type of parenting program, a lot of it comes from what I do know. Mm-hmm. It was Hawthorne that taught me that there is no such thing as a good pe- person or a bad person, but that we're all capable of these things at all times. And it starts. And I, yeah, Nathaniel the- Hawthorne right? taught you that. Yes, Nathaniel <laughs> Hawthorne uh, taught me that. And when I am either teaching or reading or reflecting or writing in my journal, which we would be very proud of, that I have continued throughout the month of January. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I think about Whitman when I think about my sense of self. When I talk about needing to get my kids out there to experience the world, I think of when I heard the learned astronomer. That's the first poem that jumps into my mind or something from Song of Myself. One of my favorite lines, and I wrote it down here, is of life immense in passion, pulse and power, cheerful for freest action, formed under the laws divine. That notion of getting out there and doing it because you love it and you have to have it. Mm -hmm. So I don't have a shelf filled with manuals of what to do with my kids when they reach each milestone, but I do turn to what I do know and it helps me to understand them and to understand me. Yes, definitely. And I love that. And so like the wisdom that you shared there from those great authors is so beautiful. And I love that you're being you, the English yeah. the English teacher, the lover of literature, and you're passing that on to your kids. 
Yeah. Um, the other one, I said two other ones that I wrote down here. Um, one of them, and I think that this is really helpful for a lot of, this could be really helpful for a lot of moms, is when we think of volunteering in our kids' schools. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of moms believe that if you're a good mom, whether you be a working mom or um, a stay-at-home mom, we feel like we need to be consumed by all of the activities at our kids' school. And if we're not, if we're not volunteering to be lunch monitor, if we're not running the book fair, if we don't sit on the PTA, then somehow we're failing our kids because we're not invested Mm -hmm. in their lives. And the truth is we need to be invested in their schools where we can offer the most of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I don't do all of those things. And you can't. You're a full-time working mom. Absolutely. But I think even if you're a stay-at-home mom, you can't. And then I'll come up with my my last one. But I, once a year on Dr. Seuss's birthday, I go in to my kids' classrooms and I read a book and I talk about the lessons in that Dr. Seuss book and I bring a treat mm-hmm. and I talk Shakespeare with the middle schoolers. That's what I do best. Yes. And it's just a couple of times a year, but that's what my kids remember. They know March 2nd is coming. Mommy's coming into school. Yeah. And your strength isn't being a lunch monitor. Your strength is teaching the kids about literature. So you've you've thought about what are my unique strengths, skills, and passions, and how can I bring them into my children's classrooms? Maybe once a year is all I can do, but that's enough. Absolutely. And so I think that for moms, they really need to think about what can you offer best at that school and go in and talk to the teachers and talk to the principal and say, here's something I'm really good at. Find a place for me to help that shine at your school rather than feeling that you have to subscribe to the things that everybody else is already doing. So I love that you made this list of things that you do very well and the ways that they're benefiting your children And it's like, just own it. I feel like so much, so often women are so hesitant to say what they're good at, or it feels prideful or showy, or they always feel like they need to add a, but I'm, I'm good at this, but I could be better or, but it's not like I'm a professional or whatever it may be. It's like, just make a list and own it, your gifts and the passions and the things that light you up. Absolutely. So that, Absolutely. that's great. And then what is your second takeaway for how to embrace the mothers that we are? So I use social media very selectively mm-hmm. and I use it as, I guess you could call it ancillary material okay. rather than... You're going to have to explain what that means. Yeah. <laughs> rather than the major textbook. So when you think about as teachers, we all have our major textbook that we use in the classroom. And then the publisher will give you what are known as ancillary materials, additional workbooks or notes or CDs that help to already improve upon what's there. Okay. So I use social media as a way to help me improve upon what's already there. So I don't open up Instagram or, um, well, I'm not, I don't use Facebook anymore, but I don't open up Instagram or do searches on blogs for things that will make me better. Because I find that all that does is serve as you're scrolling through your feed as yet one more reminder of, oh dear, yes, I can't do that. I really should do that though. 
because this is what moms should be doing. Mm -hmm. And so even if it just lasts a second, it's a constant reminder of that. Instead, it might be something like, you know, I love to cook. I absolutely love to cook. And so what do I need to improve upon in cooking? We recognized as a family, we got to cut back on our sugar. You know, we need to cut back on our salt just to make us healthier. So I'm trying to find those blogs that do that or those Instagram accounts that do that. That They already fit with your skills and passions and talents. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not that there's anything wrong with self-improvement by any means, but I think sometimes if we turn to social media as our major form of self-improvement, those images I think can be damaging. I know you and I have talked in the past, you are just the opposite of me when it comes to being in the kitchen. You are not a lover of the meal plan. Oh no. You got to embrace it, girlfriend. You have got (laughs) to embrace that that's who you are. So to get on Instagram or to Facebook and try to follow meal planning blogs or meal planning accounts is going to drive you into a state of despair because every time you see it, you're thinking, well, that looks easy. Why can't I do it? Mm. There must be something wrong with me instead of it's just not your thing. Right. It's just not your thing. And I love so, that you, um, when I was texting with you about this once, you just sent me a me- menu that was so simple. You're like, Monday, breakfast for dinner. Tuesday, brown some taco meat, put on some toppings and have tacos. Wednesday, have some jarred spaghetti sauce. You, you know, And you were like, you have to embrace that this isn't your thing. You don't love it. Keep it as simple as possible. Feed your family. You're doing great. And I was like, absolutely. I need Julie Beth in my life. This is so great. <laughs> Absolutely. So I just think that trying to limit your social media to things that already will help you improve upon what's there rather than trying to change who you are because it's it's detrimental. Yes. To keep reading through it. And I do think that if you notice that certain accounts or certain things consistently make you feel bad about yourself, that you should unfollow those things. And when I heard the story about how you were listening to the podcast about me going to South Africa and Crystal Payne, um, who's amazing, talking about her experience, I'm like, I hope she just turned that right off. (laughs) And that's coming from me. But if something's making you feel bad about yourself, it's okay to just say, I can't right now. You know, like I just I have to turn this off. I have to unfollow um, and I would not be offended if one of my fr- oh. if one of my friends said to me, "I can't, I can't listen to that right now because it's making me feel less than." I'm like, that is not my intent to make anyone feel less than. Turn it off. Yeah, no, and I think, but what it reminded me of that it 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 shouldn't make me feel less than, and I think that that's just it, you know, because you have, you know, you spend a lot of time, Rachel, talking about the strengths that all of these other people in your life have and what you learn from them. And you have some seriously incredible strengths, things that you have done and overcome that are a constant source of strength for me. So that's, you know, that's part of it too, is that, you know, we need to, and that sort of goes into my third takeaway. Um, just that recognition of other people who provide you that kind of strength. Yeah. And I do think that um, 
when we are more confident in ourselves, the more we learn to accept ourselves and our strengths, the less threatened we are by other people and their strengths. We get to a point where we're like, you go girl, you just rock that meal in the kitchen. I'm going to go over here and eat my pancakes, you know, or whatever, (laughs) wherever it might be. And you can be happy for other women, but it, it starts with you learning to love and embrace yourself. Absolutely. And it is only then, as a matter of fact, I just finished an amazing book that was co-written by the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu. And one of the things they talked about in that book is joy comes from the ability to witness someone else's success and say, good for you. This is wonderful. But you only get there when you can recognize all of the things that you do well, you know, that's, that's really the process yes, that you have. To definitely. Do. So what is your third takeaway? So my third takeaway took me a really long time to get to. I mean, I turned the corner on 40 and had to make this a daily reminder. I am going to serve as both a source of happiness and disappointment in people's lives. Mm -hmm. And I only have so much control over that. Yes. And you're not always going to be a source of happiness to everyone all the time. Absolutely. And we recognize this in our students. You know, when you were teaching, now with teaching, for every five students who says, oh, Mrs. Pastito, I love being in her class. There's going to be a handful of kids who just don't jive with me. And that's going to be the deal. But it's also going to happen with people we meet along the way in our adult lives. Mm-hmm. There will be friends that we have that will see the things that we do well and say, great, that is so wonderful. I can learn from you. Uh, This makes me so happy that you can experience these great things, that you do these great things. And we're also going to meet friends along the way who will not Mm -hmm. feel threatened by those things or disappointed that we can't be something or someone else. And the worst thing we can do as mothers is say, oh, well, now I failed another person and, and maybe I should volunteer for this more and maybe I should really do this. And it forces us to leave the, live these artificial lives where we almost end up doing something, having a, what do they call it? That you'd rather have an honest yes than a dishonest no. Didn't that just come from a recent podcast yes. that I had listened to? Yes, um, Right? Mm-hmm. Okay, Um Oh, no, the other way around. You'd want an honest no rather than a dishonest yes. Oh, yes, That's yes, what, yes. <laughs> yeah. And I think that notion of recognizing we are making people happy all the time. We are making our children happy if we can accept who we really are. But that acceptance of who we are could lead to some disappointment and I think of this quote, and I think that's where I'll end the third takeaway, uh, that is attributed to Mother Teresa. I have this framed in my home. I have it on my classroom wall. And it says, people are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, 
People may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years creating, others could destroy overnight. Create anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have, and it will never be enough. Give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. That is so beautiful. I love that, and I can definitely see why you have it not only in your home, but also in your classroom. Definitely words to live by. And when I read that quote, I thought of one of my favorite quotes from a life coach that I follow. Her name is Jody Moore from Bold New Mom, and she's actually going to be on the podcast next week, and I'm really excited to have her on as a guest. Um, awesome. She's not, it's not quite as eloquent as, eloquent as Mother Teresa, <laughs> <laughs> but she says, other people's opinion of me is none of my business. And I Absolutely. love that. It's like, stop, stop worrying so much about other people's opinion of you and be you and let your Absolutely. light shine and be kind anyway, like you said, and succeed anyway and do your thing. That's what matters in life. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a matter of stop asking ourselves how we can be better and simply let our awesome shine. I love that, Julie. Thank you so much for coming on and for sharing this wisdom with the 3 and 30 listeners. I get to partake of this wisdom often, but now I'm glad that I get to share it with others. And I did want to mention one more thing that you said in that email to me that I loved. You said that you like to fill your life with things that make you feel whole rather than holy, um, as in H-O-L-E-Y, holy, full of holes. So let's as moms focus on things that make us feel whole rather than holy and build on all of our strengths and be the mom that the moms that we are instead of the moms that we think we should be. So Julie, really quickly, can you recap the three takeaways for our listeners? Absolutely. The first is uh, take a few moments to make a list of things that you do well and put it somewhere where you can see it and you can remember it anytime that things just get a little rough. The second is to be very wary of how you use social media. And when you do use it, use it as a tool that helps build upon your strengths, the ones you already have, rather than constantly seeking to improve upon what's not there or to change who you are. And the third is to recognize that you will serve as both a source of happiness and disappointment for those that you meet. And as you put it, Rachel, from that other woman, that what people think of you is none of your business. <laughs> It's a great way to end it. Well, thank you so much, Julie, for coming on. Thank you so much, Rachel. It really, truly was an honor to be asked to be on here. I love the podcast. And remember, you too are doing really wonderful things. Now you know why I miss teaching so much. I loved that conversation with my old colleague and my dear friend, 
I love teaching and I love my students, but I think what I miss the most is having a handful of women like Julie in my life to laugh with and mentor me and talk to you about literature. I just love that Julie even wove some literature into this podcast and the way that she parents and that she even had to define a word for us. If you want that quote that Julie read from Mother Teresa, I will have it in the show notes of this episode. Now what I want you to do as soon as this podcast ends is sit down with your sheet of paper and make your list of the ways that you are awesome and the gifts that you bring to the world and to your family. And don't forget, I added just five tickets to the Declutter Your Motherhood workshop on Saturday, April 13th in Utah. So if this episode pulled at your heart, come and do the deep dive with us and dig in to figure out how to find more joy in your unique brand of motherhood. You are doing a great job, moms. And as Julie says, this week, just let your awesome shine.